That's, that's better. Come on, good, good, good. Uh, it's good to be here with you this morning. Uh, good to be able to worship with you. Uh, as, as Bryce mentioned this morning and uh, from the meditations, we are so thankful for your partnership and support uh, with WISE and what is happening in other parts of the world. Uh, it really makes a big and significant difference, and uh, we wouldn't be able to get to do what we do if it weren't for you. And so, uh, from the bottom of, of my heart, I know our staff, we pray for you. Uh, almost every meal, uh, the students and the staff pray and give thanks to our uh, supporters and people who pray and do give because it makes this possible for us to be able to serve overseas. And so we give you thanks for that. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go and open them up to the book of Numbers chapter 13 this morning. Numbers chapter 13. And <clears throat> I'm a teacher at heart, so let me ask you this question. I want to see a show of hands. How many of you in here enjoy long road trips? Does anybody like big road trips? Okay, a lot of people raising their hands. Now, keep your hands up if you enjoy that with a lot of kids. Anybody enjoy... Hands are going down. Very good, very good. Me too. I mean, I've got five kids, and between the constant bathroom brace, which can feel like every exit while you're driving down the road, I'm hungry, is there a snack to eat, I'm thirsty, is there something we can do, I'm bored, he's touching me, she's poking me, all this sound familiar? How about the very famous, are we, are we there yet? I'm going to put you outside the car and then I'll, you know, I'll feel much better. Between all the constant questions, have you, ever, have you ever arrived at your destination only to find that the excitement that you felt when everyone got in the car has now been replaced by nothing more than just a mere sense of relief? That's me. Uh, several years ago, while we were in the States on furlough, we um, were traveling through the great state of Kentucky, and Kentucky's a beautiful state, but incredibly hilly, and we were staying outside the city of Louisville, and we were going to go visit a, a church that we had never been to, but it was out in, the, out in the sticks, it was out in the country in Kentucky, and we were given the address, and they said, are you sure you can find us? And we said, absolutely, the GPS, <clears throat> the GPS says it knows right where we're at. It's only going to be a little over an hour drive, so we get up in the morning, we feed the kids, everyone has had a good breakfast, we get the car packed, everything is looking good, we're actually leaving a little bit early, and for us, that's a real good sense of accomplishment, and so we're driving down the road, we turn off on this country road, this county road, this county road, all of a sudden, we're out in the middle of nowhere, we're going up and down these hills, and the GPS is telling us to make an immediate right, which would be taking us through a field, and then all of a sudden make an immediate U-turn, and we're going, what's going on? Amanda's looking at me going, are we lost? And I'm like, well, it's lost, so I don't know where we're at. And so we're stopping and asking farmers and knocking on doors and going, where are we? Can we get to this church? Do you know where we're at? Do you know how to get here? And they're going, what are you guys thinking? What are you doing? We're like, I don't know. And the kids are screaming in the back and going, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I don't feel so good, when are we going to get there? And we're going, just be quiet, we're going to get there. And eventually when we pull into the parking lot of the church, we were incredibly late. My wife is mad at me, I'm mad at her, I'm mad at the GPS. The GPS is, I'm pretty sure, mad at me too. And all of a sudden I get this faint smell in the back of, did someone just throw up? 
sorry and oh my goodness and so there's vomit all over the car and you hop out of the car and I mean you're incredibly stressed all this problem all these problems are going on and you walk through the church doors and good morning nice to see you. it's a great Lord's Day today isn't it and you're just so happy to be there and really inside you're going what an incredibly awful journey that was in Numbers chapter 13 verses 26 through 30 When Moses sends out the 12 spies into the land of Canaan and he wants to get a report back of what's going on, they've been there for 40 days. They come back in and they give this report to Moses and the people. It says, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh at the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go and take the possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. After such a long journey from Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, being in front of, actually before they cross the Red Sea and the Egyptian army is coming down upon them and they're going, why did you bring us out here, Moses? Did you just bring us here to kill us? We should have just stayed in Egypt. And after they cross the Red Sea and after a moment of triumph and feeling as if everything was going well. Then become the grumblings. They, they, they begin to happen. And we're hungry, we're thirsty, we're tired. And through all the ups and the downs, and through all the trials and tribulations that the Israelites have, have gone through, you wonder if the people, as they were going along this journey, if they were questioning Moses and Aaron and asking questions like, are we there yet? Hey Moses, is, is your GPS broke? Should we have taken a right when we went left? It, I often wonder, too, if the people asked Moses and Aaron, they said, you know what? Can we, just, can we just stop? I mean, where we were just camped at really wasn't that bad of a place. I really don't know where you're this, how good of this place that you're taking us to, this promised land. But where we were is pretty good. Why don't we just settle there? I'm tired. Makes you wonder. Because sometimes a journey can be so difficult that we lose sight of the promises. We can lose sight of what's ahead. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this time to be together. God, we thank you for the power of your word. God, we thank you for your spirit that lives within us. And God, I thank you for this church. God, this time that we can come together to worship you and God as we worship you this morning through looking at your word God I pray that our hearts and our minds will be open and that God that you will speak to us and that God that we will receive it and listen Lord thank you for your love thank you for the cross we pray this in Jesus name amen Throughout the Old Testament the promised land was a recurring place a recurring topic a place 
that brought hope to the Israelite people. That no matter what was going on and no matter what their circumstances were at the time, no matter where they were, the promised land was some place that was always in front of them, a place that brought them hope. You can almost get a sense of this like when the Jews were in Egypt and they were enslaved to the Egyptians. Now, father coming back into his hut and he's been beaten, he's been He's so hot and sweaty, and it's been an awful day. And he walks back into his little hut, and he's got his children that are sitting out there, and their father is their hero. The wife looks at her husband, and she sees the downcastness on his face. And as he looks at her, and she looks at him, and you can see that it's just, it looks like a hopeless situation. The kids can see it, the kids can feel it, but then all of a sudden, the dad gathers them all around him. He goes, let me, let me tell you something. As, as bad as it is right now, let me tell you a place that is going to be so good. We have a great God, and it, it may feel like he's not with us right now. It may feel like he's so far from us right now. And why are we going through this? I don't know, but there is a promised land. And it's going to be a great place. In fact, it's it's a place that we know that's flowing with milk and honey. I want to go there, and I sure hope that it's tomorrow. I sure hope that we get deliverance tomorrow. But, but if it's not, we're going to keep going because God has promised this to us, and it's going to be so good. The promised land was a place that was always in front of them, pushing them forward. In Genesis chapters 12 and 13, God establishes his covenant with Abram or Abraham and promises a land in which he and his descendants will live. What's interesting, though, is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, none of them experienced the fullness of the promised land in their lifetime. Even though these patriarchs all lived in Canaan, they did not possess the land. They merely lived as nomads and tents in the promised land, that God had said, I'm going to give this to you, but they actually didn't take possession of it. In fact, in Acts chapter 7, verse 5, it says of this with Abraham that God gave him no inheritance here, not even a foot of ground. Not even a foot of ground. This promised land that he said, I'm going to give this to you and to your descendants, not only did Abraham not experience the fullness of this in his lifetime, but even his Extended family didn't experience this either. You see, even though Abram didn't know God's timing or how all this may come to pass, he not only trusted God through it all, but he remained faithful and patient as he trusted. The promised land is such an interesting, interesting topic. And this morning we're going to look at three aspects of the promised land biblically and how it not just what the Bible speaks about it, but how it then fits within our lives as well. The first point is this. The promised land that we see from the Bible is this. A promised land is a good land. The promised land is a good land. You can't talk about the promised land without being able to identify that this place is a good place. That it's an incredible place. A place that you would want to be. A place where you would want to go over and over. The promised land is identified as a place flowing with what? Milk and honey. Which alludes 
to this idea to give the Israelites almost a salivate over how good of a place this was. A land that was full of opportunity, a land that was full of abundance, bountiful and fertile. In fact, in Numbers chapter 13, verses 26 and 27, the spies who entered the promised land, when they came back to Moses, it said that they reported to them the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And they gave this account. We went into the land that you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. This place is so good. And can you imagine you've been talking about this promise for generation after generation after generation. One day we will go here. One day we will put our feet and, and take possession of this place that God has promised to us. And it's going to be so good. Have you ever been told a promise or told you know, something uh, that's, that's going to be incredible? Maybe it's a place or maybe it's something to eat. Like, man, this, wait till you go to this restaurant. They've got the best cheeseburger you've ever had. Have you ever had that happen and you go and you try the cheeseburger and you're like, eh, it's just a burger. And you kind of feel a little disappointed, a little let down. Has that ever happened to anybody? You kind of wonder if that's what would happen with this, don't you? I mean, for so long they've been hearing that this place is so amazing that you almost wonder if they've built it up in their minds. It's flowing with milk and honey. This place is truly just remarkable and incredible. All that we could have ever hoped, all we could have ever dreamed of. And you kind of wonder if when the spies go back and they come back and they make a report and they go, you know, it's good. I mean, it's, it's, it's above average, probably better than any place we've been to so far, but um, it's kind of a letdown. I mean, I'll, I'll just be honest with you guys. It's, just, it's a little bit of a letdown. No, instead, they come back and they report and they go, <laughs> I, 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 was, I was expecting it to be a little bit disappointing, but, but oh my goodness, it was flowing with milk and honey. This place is everything we could have hoped for. Because my God fulfills His promises. And when He says it's going to be good, you can be assured it's going to be better than just good how you define it. And even though they've been traveling for so long and they've reached to the edge of Canaan, the edge of the promised land, and when they come back and they give this report of how good this place is, this should be a place, a time for celebration and excitement, shouldn't it? A time where the Jews are going, well, what are we waiting for? My great-great-great-grandfather was telling me how good this is. Let's get in there. Let's go after it. They've been traveling for so long now. And they're on the edge of taking possession of a land that was promised to Abraham so long ago, you think they would jump at it. Four years ago, God began a movement in the life of wise, a leap of faith, a leap of uncertainty, if you will to relocate the school from the island of St. Vincent to the island of Barbados. A move that in the minds and the hearts of our leadership was kind of like a promised land type move of kind of 
getting rid of some of the old and, and, and some of the making some changes and being able to go into a, a new place, a new setting that was much bigger, that had more opportunity to be able to take in students, to be able to have staff, and a lot of things that would go, man, this, this looks like this would be a good thing. But it's incredibly difficult. Having to send all of your students home to close down this school and the operations in St. Vincent to move any time is difficult. To move a family is always difficult. To move your family and an institution internationally was incredibly stressful. And through it all, through it all, four years later, I can stand here and I can tell you that it has been good. <laughs> that the move was certainly worth it. That everything, all the trials and all the stuff that we had to go through was more than worth it because it has been a good place. Because it is what we were hoping for. I can stand and tell you it is good. The fruit of the lives of our students being transformed on this new campus is sweet and affirming. In fact, before we came back to the States, I had one student who told me this. He said, why is this not just a school to me? It's not just a place where you study and make grades like any other school. He said, why is this a place where lives are transformed? He said, and I can say that, he said, because it has transformed mine. Church, the promised land is a good land because our God is a good God. Amen? Our God is a good God and he promises good things to his people. And so if he makes a promise to you, or he makes a promise to me, or he makes a promise to wise, a good land, if you will, you can live obediently by faith in that promise and have full assurance that it will be good. Abraham stepped out in faith and obeyed the Lord, even though he was never able to receive the fullness of the promises made to him. It didn't distract him from continuing to live each day in faith. It didn't distract him from being obedient because he lived according to the promises of the Lord. So the first point is that the promised land is a good land. The second point is this. The promised land is not an easy land. The promised land is not an easy land. In the same passage in Numbers chapter 13, we see just in the very next part, the spies report to the people saying in verses 28 and 29, but... But the people who live there are powerful, and their cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live in the sea along the Jordan. Upon entering the promised land, after the spies report this to the people, and they all just turn away, and they go, instead of this excitement and energy that would tell them to go, let's go in there. Let's take possession of it. They listen to this negative speech that was given to them by these ten spies and they, they kind of fall back and they say, we're not going to go do this. We're not going to go into there. This is too much. We can't, we, we, we can't do this anymore. And after God punishes them and Joshua is now the leader and he's going to lead them into the promised land, you, you think that as soon as they crossed the Jordan and they walked into the promised land, it's pretty amazing what happened. I mean, the Amalekites, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the all other kites that were living throughout the promised land, they all laid down their weapons. 
They lay down their, their spears and they lay down their shields and they put their hands up and they all said, you know what? This is your land. God promised it to you. We've just been waiting for you. What took you so long? We saw you cross the Jordan 40 years ago. We've been waiting for you. It's all yours. And they just kind of packed up their bags and they left peacefully because that's the way it works, right? No, instead, what happened? Joshua and the Israelites enter the promised land and what happens? Lives were lost. Battle after battle, fierce battles. To take possession of the land that God promised them. Joshua and the, and the leadership not only had to deal with the battles on the outside, but they had to deal with the deceit and idolatry of their own people from within. The promised land is filled, church, with trials. In Deuteronomy chapter 31 and Joshua chapter 1, both Moses and God challenged Joshua again and again, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid because God will never leave you nor forsake you. And if it was meant to be easy, if it was all going to work out well, if it was all going to be just smooth sailing once they entered the promised land, then why would they make this encouragement to Joshua? Because it's going to be difficult. You see, there's a misconception that just because God is in something or just because I'm obeying His calling or in His will, just because you enter the promised land, the misconception that it's all smooth sailing from there, the opposite actually is what is, uh, biblically is what's true, that you can count on hardships, trials, challenges, confrontation, when you're in His will, when you're doing what He expects you to do, when you are obeying His calling, not the other way around. As good as Wise is now with a full staff, including three local pastors pouring into our students from five different Caribbean nations, even including some where we've never had students. We have some students that are from different islands where there are no Christian churches or churches of Christ at all. Even now we've uh, accepted some students from, a couple students from Nigeria, one from the Republic of Congo for next year. God is good, isn't he? However, there are still so many challenges. The government stalling the final stage of our program approval for our associate degree that's been taking over three years. Immigration creating new hoops for us to have to jump through to be able to get new students. And even for the students personally. Even though WISE is where they want to be, feel called to be, and have given so much in order to be there and to come, they're this reality that it's not easy is very much a part of their student experience. September 18th, 2017, Hurricane Maria ripped through the island of Dominica. This last hurricane season last year was uh, like one I've never seen. The Atlantic was just pumping the hurricanes out, weren't they? It was just one after another. And it was laying waste to so many different nations throughout the Caribbean. It laid waste here in the U.S. as well. And when Hurricane Maria went through Dominica, it literally 
destroyed everything on the island. Every home, every business, every structure that was on the island, every roof was taken off. Every single building. It knocked out the entire electrical system for the, for the island. It knocked out all the water lines so that there was no clean drinking water except for one little spot up in the mountains. In fact, still today, there is not electricity in the island of Dominica. The airport was down for about three months. You couldn't fly in. You couldn't fly out. It was an absolute disaster. But one week earlier, before the hurricane hit, three new students had just arrived to Wise from Dominica. And after the hurricane hit their country, you could see the wrestling in their minds and hearts, not knowing if their loved ones were alive or if they were dead, if they were being cared for, if they had food to eat, if they had water to drink. For one of our students, he didn't know for over three weeks whether his mother was alive. And you could see it in the classroom, out of the class. What do we do? Should we stay here? Do we go back because our, our country is in such peril at the moment? What do we do for our family? Do what, oh, this, 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 this tension that was in their lives and in their hearts. These students eventually decided that not to go back home was the best move, but to actually stay at WISE. In fact, Ebby, one of our Dominican students, actually said this. He said, as hard as it was not to get on a boat and go home, I knew if I left I would be bringing some temporary relief. But if I stay and finish my learning at WISE, I can go home and help far more than I could if I left right now. So what hardships, trials, and challenges are you facing? Have you ever thought of giving up? <laughs> I want to encourage you to keep going, to endure, to persevere, because those may be an indication that you're right where God wants you to be. Because as good as, a, as the promised land is, it's not expected to be an easy land. So the first was that the promised land is a good land. The second, the promised land is not an easy land. And then the third point is this. The promised land is not here. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 9 and 10, says of Abraham, By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. And I love this, I love this line at the end of the verse. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Hmm. It's been obvious that God's hand has been a part of this whole move, this transition, and these new beginnings in this new land with wise, like a promised land for the school. Yet just in the same way in which Abraham did not hang on to the promises of God being fulfilled in only the physical. In fact, the writer of Hebrews even minimizes the significance of the physical promised land here in the text. That even if we identify as being in a good place or being in the midst of God's will, a type of promised land setting, if you will, we're to be like Abraham, a wanderer, a nomad, simply passing through because the true promised land is in front of us. It's still out there. Oh, Christian, lift up your heads and look to the horizon. 
Stop looking at everything that's, that's in front of you. Is your hope in the politics of this world? Is your hope in your money? Is your hope in the things that are fleeting and passing away? O oh, Christian, lift up your head because the promised land is still yet to come. And oh, it's going to be good. When I lived in Haiti, there was a phrase that the Haitians would say, and it was Lotboa. And for some time, it, I didn't know what that meant. But Lotboa meant the other side. And I always wondered, well, what is that in reference to? Because the Haitians would come up to me and they would say, I want to go with you. And I want to be where you're at because you're from the other side. See, Lotboa was also a phrase that was used for a term that we know as heaven. And what they were saying is that because you're an American, you're from the other side. You're from heaven, and I want to go with you to heaven. Because that's what they identified as heaven was, was the U.S. of A. And I love being an American. But let me ask you this, American church, is this as good as it gets? Church, is this as good as it gets? No. Lift up your head, O oh Christian. Lift up your head and look, uh, look to the horizon because it's coming. And it's going to be good. And it's going to be better than you and I could have ever hoped and ever dreamed. Stop looking at your feet. Because the promised land is yet to come. Paul connects us as followers of Christ to the true promised land to Abraham in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. And I like how the New Living Translation says it. It says, as, and now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Oh, Christian. Are we there yet? I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm tired of traveling. I'm tired of fighting this cancer. I'm worn out by the pressures of my workplace. I'm tired of the stress in my family. It's so hard, young people, to be pure and holy in this very secular world that pushes for unholiness. It's so hard to be different from everyone else. You see, because even after you arrive at your destination, as good as it may be, you're still left wanting more, still left wanting something else, still not fully satisfied. Earthly destinations can do that. Earthly promised lands often end in frustration and disappointment. But the journey to this promised land, <laughs> this promised land that's still yet to come, even though it's marked by trials and struggles, will end in complete and total satisfaction in church. That is a promise. And so when you're gathering your children around you and your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, do you tell them of the promised land? Do you tell them to put, keep their eyes up? And do you tell them how good it's going to be? Because one day we will taste its fruit. One day we will enter and cross over the Jordan. And one day you and I won't have all the trials and tribulations and struggles anymore. We will be able to enter into our rest. 
there are some Christians that you will find that actually have this perspective. Their heads aren't down, their heads are up. I think Billy Graham was one of those. I like what he said. He said, my home is in heaven. I'm just traveling through this world. <laughs> A nomad, if you will. Pitching up tents, not, not placing my investment in the here and the now. The characters of C.S. Lewis's A Chronicles of Narnia challenge one another on their journey toward the into and through the promised land. They keep challenging one another and they keep saying further in and further up. It's going to get better, it's going to get better, and I feel that's a fitting way to end this message. I don't know what's around the corner. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I know what he's promised. So for me, I, I can only speak for myself. I'm committed to going further in and further up. I'm, I'm, I'm going to the promised land. <laughs> the question I have for you this morning is, who wants to come with me? Let's pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for your spirit that's within us. And God, thank you. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for what's around the corner. Thank you that no matter what's in front of us, God, God, may we continue to push forward. Because your promises are true. And the promised land is going to be more than worth it. Lord, we love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name this morning. Amen.